electricity, a big idea that's inspired countless new ones. From powering the light bulb to virtually powering our entire lives. 30 years ago, State Street launched the Spider S&P 500 ETF, SPY. A big idea that inspired the world to invest differently. And still does. What can you do with SPY? Before investing, consider the funds, investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Visit SSGA.com for a prospectus containing this and other information. Read it carefully before investing. SPY is subject to risks similar to those of stocks. All ETFs are subject to risk, including possible loss of principal. Alps Distributors, Inc. Distributor. I'm Melissa Lee, and this is Fast Money. Tonight's trader lineup, Steve Grosso, Bono and Eisen, James McDonald, and Pete Najarian. Tonight on Fast, we are watching shares of J&J. An FDA panel is expected to vote at any moment on the company's single-shot COVID vaccine. We'll bring you the decision as soon as we have it. Plus, the chart master is with us, and he's gearing up for some March madness. Carter Worth lays out the three best-looking charts in the market as we head into a new month. And later, making it rain. DraftKings hitting the jackpot today. Find out if any of our traders are betting on this one. But we start off with an 11th hour fade for the markets. The Dow ending the day down a percent and a half. The S&P 500 unable to hold on to gains. The Nasdaq closing well off of its highs. Take a look at a couple of names driving the action. Facebook was up more than 4% earlier today, but sold off into the close. It ended just 1% higher. Apple at its session highs just 12 minutes before the close gave up nearly everything. So what does this kind of price action late on a Friday as we close out the month tell you? Steve, I go to you. You always talk about rebalancing. How did that play into this? Yeah, so I, so I think, you know, you have month end, you have rebalancing, you have a bunch of stuff going on. So really hard to make any sense out of what the action was today other than positioning because we had such a volatile month, Melissa. But when you look at rates, rates is what everyone's talking about. Rates rolled today. So you had uh, 1.5% or thereabouts in a 10-year rolled off. So what happened when it rolled off? All those tech names that everyone loves to talk about, those handful of six names or so that people like to speak about, they were bought. They weren't bought all the way into the close, though, because people are familiar with these names. They were under pressure this week. So they figured, let me buy them uh, in the middle of the day and see if we can get any sort of rally from them. But the, the strong thing to remember... When you have a trend, market doesn't change trend on Fridays. So if we've had a trend of lower prices, you weren't going to get that bounce into the bell. You have two days to think about it. People are saying, I'd rather liquidate, take another look on Monday morning. Yeah. James, what's your take? Well, this week's pullback is largely due to fears that accelerating inflation could lead to a decrease in monetary support. And the rise in yields has so far been seen as an indication of expected economic growth. And despite the expectation of rate hikes being pulled forward, uh, Powell reaffirmed that the Fed has no plans to tighten policy. Uh, and so yesterday's disastrous seven-year auction on the 10 years, high as 161, is what pulled these assets down. And risk assets and tech and growth bore most of the decline. Uh, but it's because their overstretched valuations are most impacted by rising yields. And so we're in a risk-off movement right now. And it's likely to continue at least until the stimulus release uh, as economic data continues to surprise to the upside. And you know, we'll be looking forward to seeing ISM on Monday. How much, um, how much does rebalancing an end of month, Pete, factor into um, offsetting the poor price action we had into the close? If it were any other day of the month and this price action happened into the close, you would say that's a really bad sign for tech. The Nasdaq at one point was up 1.8% and it lost more than you know, a percent here into the close. Right. Yeah, it was it was pretty shocking, Mel. I mean, you, the last two days we lost a thousand points on the Dow, three percent on the S and P, three percent on the Nasdaq, and like you were just mentioning, the Nasdaq, some of that selling. And and you know, it was an interesting thing. The fact that 
The Nasdaq actually started to sprint to the upside at one point during the day, and then just it, it just could not keep up that momentum to the upside. So is there a combination of what you're suggesting as well as maybe some of the algorithms coming in there? I think that's a possibility. I think the idea that, that people are getting a little bit unnerved right now, they have some, some uh, trepidation for sure, I think, because they're, they're looking at where the tenure is. We've all watched um, all the various uh, areas of the marketplace that have been moving to the upside at a much swifter rate than that we are used to. And because of that, I think that's why you're seeing that volatility <laughs> index, though, Mel, as well, because volatility jumped back into this marketplace this week. We've mm -hmm. been absent of volatility for a while, but when you take a look at the last three, four, five, the whole week's worth of trading days, it has been kind of swelling up as we've gone each and every day. And we've popped over 30 a couple of different times. Didn't close there, but we popped over 30 a couple of different times because I think people are starting to feel that nervousness about where is the market really going? And I'm not just talking tech, by the way. Financials at the very end of the day as well. They all got hit late in the day. So this wasn't just tech being hit. It was industrials, it was financials, and it was a lot of the other categories that we talk about all the time. Semiconductors as well. Yeah, it seemed like financials in particular. I mean, while it was while the sector was going up as rates were rising yesterday, it sort of called a timeout when rates went to one and a half percent. It was like enough. We're not sure about the future here. Bonowin, in terms of you, I mean, are you are you fearful about higher valuation stocks? Because this is ultimately what it's all about, particularly when you when you string together this week, along with the fact that big cap tech names and momentum names, they are down sharply from their recent highs. It's not just a one week trend here. I mean, Apple is down, you know, double digit percents from its from its recent high. No, you make, you make a good point. Listen, and fear is not, fearful is not the term that I would use. Listen, I'm, I'm clearly aware that these stretch valuations can continue, and a rising rate environment does not necessarily bode well for that. And I think you're spot on there. Well, I, what I will mention, and Pete, James, and a few others have also pointed to the VIX, is that the moves that we've seen, this exacerbated volatility that we've seen, has not just been in the tech sector. We've seen these outsized moves in all of these sectors and subsectors, financials, like you pointed out. So what I see, in Bonoin, addition to sorry uh, to interrupt, sorry to interrupt, Bono, we've got breaking news on J&J's COVID vaccine. Let's get to Meg Terrell with the latest. Meg. Melissa, a unanimously positive vote for Johnson & Johnson's COVID-19 vaccine from this panel of outside advisors to the FDA. 22 of these experts voted yes on the Johnson & Johnson vaccine. None voted no, none abstained. Uh, this would pave the way for the third potential COVID-19 vaccine to enter the U.S. market. This, of course, is the first one that only requires one dose. From here, the FDA will take the recommendations from this committee, make its own decision. We could see that decision potentially in emergency use authorization as soon as tomorrow. Then a CDC group of advisors meets Sunday and Monday to make recommendations. And we could see three to four million doses of this vaccine going out in the United States on top of the Pfizer and Moderna vaccines next week. Melissa? Next week. Wow. Great news. Meg, thank you so much for bringing that to us. Meg Terrell. We are seeing, seeing Johnson Johnson shares rise uh, just on this news. Bonowin, if you can finish up your thoughts, but also comment on this idea that the economy, we are going to get lots of vaccines into people's arms. And that's a great thing for the U.S. economy. Uh, yes, you know, and I'm happy to change course here. All I was going to say is that what you've seen is outsized moves and, and what I've seen today in terms of growth outpacing value for pockets of the day is that people are just looking to kind of buy the names that have been oversold and sell those that have been overbought on a relative basis. As for the, um, the Johnny John news, I think this is absolutely fantastic. A single shot is definitely going to 
release some pressure in terms of um, logistics, distribution, things of that nature. And ultimately, I think the way to play this is going to be uh, travel, leisure, and energy space. Yeah, Johnson Johnson shares are up by 1.6 percent. Pete, you know, I was talking to uh, a portfolio manager earlier today on the exchange, and he mentioned healthcare being a top sector of his uh, into this year. Um, on the notion that vaccines are going to be part of our daily lives. Is that a premise on which you would invest yeah. that that they've got these vaccines, that there are variants, you might need boosters, et cetera, and that's enough to say, yes, this is the sector I want to be in? Well, I think it's one more catalyst, Mel, is the way I'd figure it. Uh, when you're looking at Bristol-Meyer or you're looking at, at Pfizer or Merck or any of these names, J&J, obviously you look at the entire composite of what they do and, and, and what they really have potentially in the pipeline. Obviously, the fast track that we've seen in this process that's been absolutely amazing how fast they've been able to, to get to this point, Mel, is absolutely extraordinary. Still, to me, it's shocking that we're able to get here as fast as we have, and it seems to be going very safely and will hopefully continue to be so. So, But, but I think that's not your only reason. It's just one more catalyst. I own J&J. &J. I, I, I own it for a lot of different reasons, not just this reason, but I think this is one more in a, in a long list of reasons why this name can go a lot higher. I think fundamentally, you look at it, it's a solid company. When you look at the consumer products and that, that sort of a, uh, the possibility that you've also got the medical devices as well as the pharmaceutical, all of that put together and this on top of what they've got already in the pipeline, there's a lot of reasons to really like J&J &J right now. And I think this is a stock that deservedly will be a lot higher over the next six months to a year. I mean, it's amazing that a year ago we were on the precipice of the depths of the pandemic. And a year later, we actually have a vaccine that's being injected into Americans' arms as we speak. Steve Grasso, how does the market take this news? Um, do we take it in stride because we knew it was probably going to come? Or is this actually good news for the market? Now, this is this is great news for the market and this is great news for that value trade because you're going to see the restart of the economy. You're going to see. See, we've all talked about this sell off and what we've seen in tech. The normal progression when you get a rotation is to sell tech and they sell everything. But the problem is, is that they're going to sell everything. They're going to sell value. They're going to sell the restarts. They're going to sell everything all at once. But what is going to catch the bid? are the restarts, the value plays, the pharmaceutical plays. Excellent news for the market. All right. Well, as we gear up for a new trading month, the Chartmaster is laying out the three best-looking charts in the entire market. Cornerstone Macro's Carter Worth is with us. Carter, take it away. What a feat. Are there three? <laughs> there are probably 30, but uh, let's give it a go. Before we look at the charts, they have nothing to do with another, the three businesses, nothing to do with each other. The charts are identical, and they all have the common circumstance of they were winners that have basically gone nowhere for six months. And the premise here is that they are catch-up trades. Look at the first one, Netflix. A great winner, and it's the same price it was on September 1. We're now March 1. Uh, I would call that a rested champion, toying with the prospects of a breakout right here. Next one is MasterCard. Same chart. Totally different business. A great winner, exact same price it was September 1, we're March 1. Rested champion. Third, DocuSign. And last, a great winner that's rested. So uh, the commonality, nothing to do with one another, but the setup, and everyone knows what this is, as a chart formation, it's sort of an ascending triangle, a breakout candidate. There are others in the market, but these three are as good as any. Carter, good stuff. Thank you so much. Carter Braxton, worth to see in a few minutes on Options Action. James McDonald, which rested champion do you like? 
It's a great question, and I think <clears throat> there's been so much anticipation of the reopening, uh, and there's been so much excitement about the prospects of our health collectively uh, being safe with these vaccines and that progress, uh, and the anticipation had stocks running up like crazy, and I think the pressure that we saw at the end of January and the pressure we are seeing now isn't quite over. And so I think we need to come down a little bit more, uh, frankly, a lot more, uh, and not in all names, but in tech and in those names that ran up so much. And so I think that, you know, we've still got seven, eight, nine, ten percent to come down uh, on the equities based on the anticipation of all the good news we're seeing now. Markets are always forward looking. And I don't think we've seen the reckoning uh, of the uh, overvaluations that we had. I think this is just the beginning. It's a long week, and maybe I'm not paying close enough attention, James, but did you actually tell me which wrestling champion you like, or is that your polite way of saying you like none of them? I like Roku, and so, uh, you know, Roku is known for its dominant streaming platform, uh, and I think it's got a licensing deal with smart TV makers. If You know, if I've got to buy here, I like Roku, and great earnings, uh, great revenue per user, and uh, they've added users like crazy, active monthly subscribers in Q4. Uh, uh, five million more users. And so if I've got to go long, I've got to go long Roku. All right. So James is pulling out a champion out of out of his own uh, <laughs> his own basket. Pete Nigerian, I'll go to you. Of the names that Carter mentioned, which rest of champion do you like? Or maybe you don't like. I'll give you that option. How's that? I'll, I'll go with Disney. No, I'm just kidding. Um, no, I'm going to go. <laughs> I'm going <laughs> to... I'm going to take Netflix, and the reason I'm going to take Netflix is I think it, it deserved and needed that pause, and we talk about this all the time. I think it's healthy with stocks when they actually do hit that pause sort of a state that they've been in, and I think Netflix has plenty of growth. We, we talk about it all the time, Mel. It continues to be something where it's not just a, a story here. It's a story globally, and because of that, they still have lots of room to grow, and I think Netflix, of, of the, the names I see. As a matter of fact, DocuSign, I get all, I, I'm a little bit nervous about that one because mm. – if the J&J news does produce what we think it might, um, I think those types of names still have plenty of downside in front of them. Yeah, and for the record, Grosso and Bono and, and James now agreeing with that last comment. Coming up, we've got a big week of earnings on deck. Our traders are honing in on the four key names that should be on your radar. Plus, who bet on this one? DraftKings taking the pot after a strong earnings report, so should you double down on this name? We'll bring you the trade when Fast Money returns. What does it mean to be rich? Maybe it's less about reaching a magic number and more about discovering the magic in life. At Edward Jones, our dedicated financial advisors are the people you can count on for financial strategies that help support a life you love. Because the key to being rich is knowing what counts. Learn more about our comprehensive approach to planning at edwardjones.com slash findyourrich. Edward Jones, member SIPC. Welcome back to Fast Money. Check out the big week of earnings we've got on deck. Some retail heavy hitters like Target, Nordstrom, Gap, Costco, all reporting. We'll also hear from non-retail names like Zoom and Broadcom. So each of our traders have come up with the one name they're watching heading into the week. Bono, and I want to go to you first because the name you're watching is sort of akin to the DocuSign trade. And you had concerns about that. Um, I do. So, yeah, taking a look at Zoom and <clears throat> listen, there, there has been some speculation around their leverage to, to medium and small size businesses and how they're going to offset that along with the Zoom phone and things of that nature. But really what I'm looking for is trading sentiment after earnings. If they're able to deliver and if they guide strongly and the stock still trades weaker, 
I think that really doesn't bode well for that parabolic tech type of space, that real growth-heavy speculative type of names. And I'll tell you why. Because aside from the FANG stocks, these sit pretty squarely in between pre-revenue growth stage and the big behemoth names with a ton of cash on balance sheet. Zoom sits squarely there. And I think how that stock trades will set up nicely and inform the, the um, trader in terms of how they expect the, the stock to perform going forward. Pete, I'm going to guess. Guess which name that you're watching. Target. Which one? <laughs> it is Target. You know, Brian Cornell's done such an amazing job, though, Mel, and, and it just continues. And I'll give you one great example. We, we talk about digital sales all the time, right? And we, we also brought up Shipped many, many times. The fact that they paid $500 million just a few years ago to buy Shipped for Target, uh, I've seen estimates as high as $15 billion in value if they were to spin it out. So I, I, I think it's just amazing what they've been able to do. Their earnings growth last quarter was incredible. When you see their revenue growth as well, absolutely incredible. And as I say, digital sales and pickup are off the charts. They're triple digits in growth. I think that continues, but I also think margins is what I'm going to be looking for because if it's as sticky as I think they are, and they got 10 million new customers, if it's as sticky as I think it is, I think we're going to see a lot better on the margin side because previously it was a stock, it was a store that everybody was going for as they were shopping and they were they were looking for all the essentials. Well, now they're going to the rest of the store, and if I'm right about that, I think this is a stock that finally can break through 200. We've got stimulus in the pike, Grasso. So theoretically, people will have a lot more to spend. Can Target do as well? post-pandemic as it has done during the pandemic? You know, I, I think people rushed into a lot of these names, whether it be Target or Costco or Amazon, and I think they got overbought. But I do believe that uh, everything that Pete just said, I believe that now you're getting a, a more realistic version of what the environment's going to look like coming out of here. And, and you also gain more market share. So I think these names can do very well. I think Amazon is tremendously overbought. I think that one is ripe to come in. But a name like Target, I think, can really handle the pace in the new environment and the new uh, customers that they got off of the pandemic. James, you got Neo? I like Neo, and as big a fan I am of Elon Musk, I'm even bigger fan of Neo's only trading at 12 times forward earnings versus Tesla's 24 times forward earnings. And Neo is China's leading electric vehicle manufacturer. They've got January, delivery, January deliveries, 352% year-over-year, 10th uh, month of triple-digit growth. Uh, the Chinese retail passenger car sales are up 25.5% year-over-year. Chinese auto sales are expected to grow 4% in 2021. It's a 1.2 million cars. The EV market in China is expected to grow 40%. And last month, NIO announced a new battery with better range uh, and better charging time. And it's caught fire at the same time as the Chinese EV market has caught fire, and the government's going to support it. It's likely to boost Neo's efforts and falling costs, rising supply, and shifting consumer demand is all going to aid sales. And so we think surging deliveries are likely going to offset the risk of R&D and other costs. And, um, you know, Tesla's got uh, uh, the stake in the ground of what forward earnings can be. And so at that point, uh, Neo's earnings might get them a significant lift. All right. Uh, Steve, what are you watching? Costco, and for a lot of the same reasons that Pete is watching Target, Costco has a tremendous opportunity to grow internationally. They do about $46 billion internationally, and I think once we start coming out and once the global recovery really starts taking hold, you're going to see uh, Costco move the needle there. Plus, anyone who's a member of, of Costco renews. They have, a, I, I believe, a 91% percent 
renewal rate. So watch a couple of things. It's off 15% from its recent high. I think they're going to surprise to the upside. I'm looking to see if they can if, if they could handle that. And that's going to shock a lot of shareholders who thought it was over for them. All right. Coming up, DraftKings surging more than 6% today. The sports betting stock reporting strong earnings. We'll tell you how our traders are dealing with this one. And later, our option traders are digging into the banks as a rate shock hits Wall Street. Why now could be the perfect time to make a withdrawal from the group? We'll bring you that trade and much more. Stay with us. Welcome back to Fast Money. Check out shares of DraftKings driving higher today. The sports betting company reporting a slam dunk of a quarter, beating expectations for revenue, seeing better than expected growth and paying customers. Shares up a whopping 260 percent since going public last April. Pete, how do you feel about this one? Well, I feel a little bit sick because um, I owned this one for quite a while, Mel. I owned it from last spring all the way until very recently, and then I sold out. And, and, and my reasoning was I just didn't feel comfortable going into earnings, I just, and I should have, and I didn't. So you might see me back in this name fairly quickly because the numbers that they reported were absolutely fantastic, I think, across the board. Their earnings were far better than they were expected. Their revenue was incredible. And when you look at the you, – you mentioned a couple of the other numbers as well. So I think the combination of all of what they are doing right now, sports gambling, the online gambling space, and the, the, as they continue to expand, as states continue to expand, this is something that I think is just going to continue and – they already gave us the forecast themselves. They said 2021 looks like it could be up about 40 or 50 yeah. percent. So for all those reasons, I'm kicking myself. I got to jump back in at some point very soon. I mean, that was one reason why the fourth quarter was better than expected. They entered the Tennessee market and that was a, a huge boost. And so, as you said, Pete, as they enter new markets, that's just going to be accretive theoretically um, to their earnings. So, Bonwin, where do you stand on a, on a name like DraftKings? It's a name that I've turned around, one that I still own. I still buy, you know, uh, I'm still a buyer of the, the, the whole story here. And what I really like about it is that it's a relatively capital light business. All those things combined, I like the setup here. I think uh, there's still room to run on the upside. All right. It is time for the final trade on this Friday. Let's go around the horn. James McDonald. Roku. It's known for its dominant streaming platform, but there's significant <laughs> overlap in ad revenue space. They're going to get a cut of all ad, rev- ad inventory across 51 million user base. Wells new subscriptions, 10,000 apps on Roku platform. This is a great company. Your champion. <laughs> Grasso, what do you say? <laughs> Sonos, this is one I've been long from the middle teens. I'm still long this one. It, 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 had, it never had a demand issue. It had a supply issue. Now you could actually get the products. I think this one is still going higher, Sonos. Bonoin. XHB, it's a name to keep your eye on. I realize it's bigger than just the builders, but it's making a double top around 65. This rate pressure continues. Look out below. Pete. I'm going to give you back into the old medical space. I'm going to go with Medtronic, Mel. We had a lot of call buying this week. I'm back into this name. That does it for us. What's on the horizon for financial markets? At PGIM, it's a question that over 1,400 investment professionals relentlessly research in pursuit of your long-term goals. Specialized across asset classes, but united in collaboration, our teams provide global and local expertise. Our investments shape tomorrow, today. Pursue your tomorrow with PGIM, a leading global asset manager.